Well, I, this morning, am going to talk to us about waiting, everyone's favorite subject. Anyone like to wait in here? You like to wait? Okay. That's very unique. I'd say most of us don't love waiting. We don't love waiting. Uh, My family and I, along with Emily's parents and uh, my sister-in-law and her husband and kids, uh, were able to go to Disneyland uh, a few weeks ago. And anyone been to Disneyland in the summer before? Yeah, that's not not an awesome experience. Uh, I think the kids liked it, but it was hot as all get out, sweat dripping down your back as you're waiting in line to get on Splash Mountain. And usually at this theme park, they try to exceed expectations. So they'll say your wait is 45 minutes, but it only takes a half an hour. Well, this time... They would say, your wait is 75 minutes, and it took like 100 minutes. It was brutal. It was totally brutal, and that's a picture we usually have of waiting. I totally related to um, who is probably one of the greatest Catholic theologians of our time, Jim Gaffigan, who's, <laughs> who had a Disney, Disney World experience, and he was uh, in line in the heat with his kids, arguing with each other, waiting in line for Dumbo, and about five minutes in, he realizes, I'm the Dumbo. He's going to get to the end of the line and realize there's just a mirror there with, your, you, know, with you in it saying, here's the Dumbo. Uh, that's how I felt. But we had a good time with family, didn't we? It was, it was a special time in that way. But we don't like waiting. We don't like waiting in traffic. We don't like waiting at the doctor's office. We don't like waiting at the DMV. We just don't like it. But I want to shift our perspective a little bit today on waiting. And today what I wanted to talk to you about is waiting gives you wings. Waiting gives you wings. I'm going to read out of Isaiah 40. Many of you would know this by heart. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. In his understanding, no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even the youth grow tired and faint. Any youth testify to that? Get an amen if your voices still work. Got tired and weary this week weekend at youth camp. But those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Some translations say those who hope in the Lord. Some say those who trust in the Lord. It's all related. And the word there is actually kavah. Can anyone say kavah with me? Kavah. Um, That's a Hebrew word which is ripe with meaning, ripe with hope. And uh, really there's kind of a different picture that goes with kavah than we think of. We think of the waiting room. We're standing in line at the DMV with our number. That's 30 numbers away. But kavah is different. It actually means literally to twirl in the dance. Not what I think of when I think of waiting, usually. It means to have hope, to eagerly anticipate. It's an incredible meaning. I used to uh, work at a software company, and one of my colleagues, his name was Walter, he was a messianic... Jewish guy, though not by birth. So it was kind of an interesting situation, but he gave his life to really studying 
uh, the Torah, and um, we have a lot of conversations about what all this stuff means and why does it seem like there's conflicts. And so I would say, does this word mean this or does it mean this? And his answer would usually be yes. <laughs> means means both and uh, because it's so rich with meaning. And so there's a lot of things going on. It also means to bind together and to partner. And also translated to give birth. Wow. Uh, see, this kind of waiting isn't complacent. It's not apathetic. It's not waiting, sitting on our laurels until God finally does something. This is an active waiting, not a passive waiting. And uh, it's really a picture that looks like this. And I did not get permission to do this if it comes up. We'll see. There we go. Uh, (laughs) This is a picture of my lovely bride right before, this was the day that she went into labor and uh, with Ezra, our first child. And you can see I had a wonderful filter on it back in the day, Instagram. (laughs) And you know it's not edited because I only have two likes on it. So, um, and she is beautiful for sure. Um, But this is more what the picture of this Kava word looks like. Not waiting at the DMV, but waiting, hoping, you know, you haven't seen the baby, but you know, you expect it, you anticipate it. And if I can extrapolate a little, you buy diapers, you buy clothes, you buy, we bought way too many things uh, with our first, like wipe warmers, you know, that's (laughs) very first world kind of stuff. But uh, you anticipate, you dream, you you think, oh, am I going to be a good parent? You press in. This is the picture of waiting in Isaiah 40. So you might say, well, that's great, but what about my promises? What about the prophetic words that I've gotten that haven't come to pass? Maybe you have a question about loss, someone who was taken from you that you were contending for in healing, or the loss of a job, or uh, difficulty, broken relationship with a family member, people who haven't uh, come to the saving knowledge of Christ yet. And maybe it's just not going how you want. Your life trajectory might look something like this, circle after circle after circle, and never making any progress. I know how this feels firsthand. And so the question is, how can I be hopeful in this? Like, yes, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Haven't achieved the greatness that you were made for. Maybe... It's a sin that you're stuck in and that you just can't break free from. You've tried, you've prayed, you've confessed, made yourself accountable, and still it's just the same circle. Been praying for a breakthrough in your marriage, and it seems to be getting more difficult. You know God is faithful. You know that he can come through. And then, of course, we start to think things and quote non-scriptures like, you know God helps those who help themselves. So now i got to make it happen. And if we're not careful, over time, maybe our waiting actually turns into striving. And striving is counterintuitive to this waiting that we see in Isaiah 40. I remember uh, when I was 15 years old, had my permit, and uh, I was 
leading worship that day, I had driven my dad's, I think it was an 87 Buick Century, sweet car. I fit in with all of the, uh, you know, grandpas at the club. Uh, but that thing had some get up and go, so could easily get in trouble. It handled terribly, but had a powerful engine. And uh, after church was done, uh, I was going to load up my gear, and I thought, in all my infinite wisdom, that my dad wouldn't mind if I just went and grabbed the car, pulled it up to the door so I could load out my stuff. It'd be really simple. So I get in there, turn the car on, start to back up, and back the front right into a pole that I was next to. And that was me trying to be a driver before becoming a driver. See, I didn't want to wait for my dad to come out and help me learn how to navigate that situation. I knew better. I could make this happen. The car wasn't going to drive itself to the door, so I had to step in and do it. And I know that's a silly story, but this concept of wanting to uh, be at our fulfilled promise without allowing the work of God in our lives, the becoming that happens in that process, is striving. Psalms 46 says, Be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That be still right there uh, is literally translated to cease striving. To sink down, to let drop, to relax. To let go. To give your burdens to Christ. We're not careful to watch over our hearts. Our waiting turns into striving. And again, we go around and around and around because we don't have the power in ourselves to achieve his purpose in our life. And I think part of our problem with waiting, I know for me, this is a case, is God is never in a hurry. Does that bother anyone else? (laughs) I think that old song, I'm in a hurry to get things done. I rush and rush until that's no fun. That's kind of our story sometimes. We've heard the promise. We know that he wants to fulfill things in our lives, and we want it now. And this is the same reason that America is in debt. We want it now. We want to force things to happen without waiting on God's timing. Because we're in such a hurry, we get distracted. You ever caught yourself uh, you know, on an airplane staring three rows up at someone's little TV? and you're just fixed on it, and it takes five minutes before you. Is that just me? Anyone else? No? You can't even hear it, but because we're so distractible, we just look at that. Or you're at Red Robin, your spouse is pouring out their heart, and you can't help but watch the rerun of the U.S. Open from five years ago. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. We get tired, and we get weary. We get faint waiting on God's timing. Sure feels like he's late sometimes. I think we can be honest. It feels like he's late sometimes. In Galatians 1, it says, At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. If we don't give up. So I want to encourage us today, don't give up. Don't grow weary. Learn to wait on God by putting your hope and trust in him eagerly expecting him to move on your behalf. So it's okay to expect, it's okay to have faith, it's okay to have hope that he'll do what he said he'll do. And he will. 
I want to talk for a minute on perspective. Uh, some of you know we're in a renovation, Emily and I, uh, on our house. And, you know, some renovations, if you have, say, Ben Woolley doing your renovation, it'll probably take three months, something like that. Ours, I think we're going on <clears throat> 24 months. And um, <laughs> it just so happened that I, uh, right around the time that we started, um, I talked with Pete about coming on here. So my plate filled up a little more than I thought. And I will tell you, we have had moments of despair in this, pro- in this process. Uh, moments of despair for sure. There was a long period of time where we did our dishes in the bathtub, probably for like a year. And that's not right. That's pretty much the same thing as having a toilet next to your kitchen sink. There's nothing, there's nothing acceptable about that. We grew, we grew weary. And I remember, I think it was like three or four months ago, I was sort of just not complaining, but just feeling really down and exhausted. And uh, we don't have a couch right now to sit on because things are kind of moved around and torn apart. So if we want to relax, it's just sit on the bed with all of our kids. It's pretty fun. And um, just thinking like, why did I get myself into this? Why did we do this? And apologizing to Emily because, um, you know, no one should have to live through that for that long. And I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and kind of showed me that this is kind of a metaphor for life. It's so easy. You're working, you're working, you're working, and you come to a point where you feel like nothing is happening. This thing is still ripped apart. I still don't have counters in the kitchen. Nothing's happening. But then, kind of in that moment, he shifted my perspective and showed me what is done and what what we have, like we're not doing dishes in the bathtub anymore. And we have a big island now that we can gather around with people. So what if it's a plywood top? That's okay. Um, it leaves stains from, you know, times of fellowship. And this is how life is. God is doing a work in us. We don't always see it because it takes time and we get impatient in our waiting. But he is working. And I would just invite you to ask him, to help you look back and see what he's done, to see what the Lord has done. He's good and he's faithful to finish his work. So maybe for you it's not a home renovation. You might not be as dumb as I am in that case. But maybe for you it's working towards that promotion or uh, working on school or whatever it is, fill in the blank, something that is just not fulfilled yet that is taking longer than you thought. Maybe your situation has gotten worse while you wait. So why wait? It's not getting better. But there is an invitation today to rise up with wings, as Isaiah said. Now, they were, uh, the Jewish people, the Israelites were in exile when he wrote this. So they had already seen the promised land, and then they were driven out from that country taken into Babylonian captivity. And um, so he's writing this hopeful letter in the midst of this, reminding them that there's a Messiah that's coming to save. And so I think, you know, we can take great strength in knowing that those people might know a little bit about having to wait, not seeing their promises fulfilled in that moment. 
Um, I love this invitation, though, to rise up with wings as eagles. Uh, does anyone know who Bob Jones is? Had a prophetic ministry that was kind of worldwide. He used to come to Albany a lot, and he would wear these, uh, these shirts, and it always had like a big bald eagle on it or whatever, and it was just, it was great. And so I took this to heart recently. Emily and I talked, and for my birthday, she got me... Um, a gift. I put a tattoo on my back just to remind myself every day that I'm to rise up with wings as eagles. It's not really me, Bob. I can see your look of concern. <laughs> Emily really likes it. Emily really likes it. Uh, but really, this picture of eagles soaring is absolutely incredible if you look at it. Um, it's like effortless. They rise up and they soar. And eagles can actually fly for, I think, four to six hours at a time without landing. In fact, they could do longer, but they like to take their little breaks. It's effortless. They go to and fro with the wind. And this is a picture of what it's like when we wait on the Lord with great expectation, with hope, with trust. It's really incredible. That's the picture. So while you may feel like you're still doing this round and round, I think when we wait, the Lord gives us a little bit of a different perspective. He gives us some altitude on it, like that of an eagle. And instead of going around and around, we realize that what he's actually doing in us is taking us higher and higher. And we're experiencing breakthrough that we don't even realize when we're so focused on our situation. When we learn to wait and to cease striving, this is what we see. Obviously, you know, part of our struggle with seeing this is that we have our finite plans. We have our plan for our life. We have our goals. We have our idea of what success is. And it's very easy. We're reading a book uh, called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. It's very easy to start doing before you start being with God. And when you start doing and you start striving, then... Uh, then we fail to see what God is up to. Proverbs 16.9 says, But the Lord, excuse me, the, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Part of the reason sometimes we don't see this is because he's God and we're not. Hard to forget that sometimes. We want to have the knowledge like God does. But in Isaiah 55 he says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We don't understand, perhaps because we're not supposed to. And I know that's not the answer anyone wants to hear. Maybe we're not supposed to know this side of heaven. What's going on, what he's up to He holds time in his hands, and he cares 
way more about who you are becoming than what you're doing. That bears repeating. He cares more about who you're becoming, your character, your inner, inner man or inner woman, if you will, um, than what you're doing for him. In God's economy, who you are, who you are is far greater than what you do. And I think someone needs to hear that today. If you're feeling like a failure, if you're feeling like I haven't achieved, I haven't done what I need to do yet, your value comes from Christ and Christ alone. He cares about who you are more than he cares about what you do. When we wait with expectation and trust, our eyes are open to see the Lord at work in our lives. Even if we don't understand it, we know he's at work. We hope. I just want to say it's not lost in me that with all of us here, some are doing great, some may have just gotten promotions, some have a new house with a hot tub in the back. I don't know. Whatever it is that you've, you've wanted, some of you are doing great. But I know some of you are experiencing sorrow and difficulty, and it is challenging, and life is difficult. I want you to know that you're in good company. As I mentioned, Isaiah wrote uh, that second part of Isaiah to the Israelites who were uh, exiled from their own land. Joseph went through the ringer. Right? He had the dream from God. He knew what God was up to. And then everything opposite happened. Everything opposite happened. He was sold into slavery by his brothers, almost killed. Then he had a little reprieve where he worked for the Egyptian Potiphar and then was falsely accused of rape and spent time in prison. It was not going well. Uh, And then, you know, obviously we know the story. God fulfilled his purpose in his life. The woman with the issue of the blood, it was 12 years that she waited on healing from the Lord. 12 years. The man who couldn't walk that Jesus healed, 38 years he was a paralytic. You're in good company. We are not the only ones going through suffering. Countless others who waited and waited for their promise are in Scripture. So I want to encourage us with this. 1 Peter 1, 6-7. In all this, you can greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Is that awesome? We do go through trials. In fact, we're promised trials. We're promised hard times. We're promised tribulation. And yet, a theme through the New Testament is that we will experience that, but we have a hope of a future glory. Christ in us, the hope of glory. So you see there in Peter that sorrow and hope can coexist. You can be hopeful in the midst of a broken situation. Paul goes on in Romans to say, For in this hope we were saved. This is Romans 8, 24-28. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. I want you to take comfort in this. It says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us 
in our weaknesses. So that's the answer to your question. If you're wondering how do we do this, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for. I've spent so, I mean, hundreds of hours praying for things to come to pass that haven't. And I don't think it's a bad thing. It's never a bad thing to spend time with God. But we don't even know what we ought to pray for. Thank God that the Spirit is interceding on our behalf. But the Spirit intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What I want to say is that your trial might not feel good, but the Lord is up to good in your life. He is up to good things in your life. He's refining you through the trial. So you may feel completely weak and worn out, totally weary, but don't forget that he's interceding for you. And while God isn't the source of your trials, he will use them. He will use them. So don't waste your waiting. God is at work. In uh, Romans 5, 3-5, says, We also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I feel like I want to read that again. I can get to the right sheet. There we go. We also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. That's number one. Perseverance produces character. That's number two. And character, hope. That's number three. He's doing, he is producing perseverance in you and character in you and hope. And it's a beautiful cycle. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So maybe it's not just sorrow or difficult times. Maybe you're here today and you feel like a failure. Or that what you've done is so far beyond what God can heal and redeem. My prayer for you and for me is that God would shift our perspective in that as we learn to wait. Maybe you feel like you've done everything right. You've tried to be faithful to walk in the promises that he's called you to. But you're still not seeing progress. You still feel like a failure. And I just want to remind us, like I said earlier, we're not called to understand. We're called to trust, to hope, to wait on the Lord. It's the same word, that kava word, uh, that Jeremiah used in 29, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. Uh, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That same word hope is the same word for wait and to trust in the Lord. That's what he will give you. Again, we don't have to strive to figure out how to wait. He will help us by his spirit. So, in the same way that Jeremiah declared over them, I want to declare kind of the same thing over us as City Harvest, that God would give us hope 
and a future. That he is the author and perfecter of our faith. That he has the final say in your purpose and destiny as we patiently wait for him. And uh, something that I love that uh, Bill Johnson says a lot is this idea of there will never be another time in all eternity like we have right now to truly give a sacrifice of praise. There's no other time that we can sacrifice in the way that we do now in the midst of our pain and our sorrow and our waiting to then look up and say, but yet I will trust you, God. This is our chance. God's delays are not necessarily his denials. Keep waiting. Maybe in your waiting, again, don't waste your waiting. Maybe he's teaching you dependency on him. Maybe he's showing you his faithfulness. Maybe he's refining your character in ways that, again, you can't see it in the moment, but he's doing a work in your heart. Maybe he's dealing with the the root of sin in your life. And his desire through this process is to conform you to his image. I don't know what your story is, but I do know the promise of Scripture that waiting gives you wings. Waiting gives you wings. I remember, um, I really identify with this idea of feeling like a failure. Um, I think six or seven years ago, I went to a worship school aptly called The Worship School uh, up in Spokane, Washington. And it was a six-month cohort-based worship school where a group of us, about 40 of us, would gather for one weekend, like a Friday and Saturday, once a month. And heard from really incredible people from kind of all different walks of life and denominations. And um, it was a really, really cool thing. And uh, at one of the last ones, I think it may have been the second to last one, we had a guest there by the name of Malcolm Duplicis. And uh, he really was feeling prophetically that there was one, two, maybe more people there who... Uh, had just come to a point in their life that they realized that maybe all these things that we were striving for and working towards and standing on and all of that was actually getting in the way of us relying and satisfying ourselves with Jesus. And he invited those of us who felt that to to stand up and to uh, surrender kind of those dreams to God And say, it's okay, Lord. All I want is you. And I felt like I had to do it then. And something happened in that process for me, a a real shift. It was... There was still a grieving of what I felt like uh, I was supposed to be doing in my life. There was still a sense of loss. But nothing compares with the knowledge of Christ. And uh, for all of us, I do, I do pray for the restoration of dreams. But more than that, I pray for the redefinition of dreams. That we would conform our dreams to what the Holy Spirit says. Allowing him to reshape and reform our understanding of success. It's not earthly success. It's not that at all. It's not earthly greatness. It's success in God's eyes.
I want to close with this, that we would take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Waiting does give you wings. And maybe you've already tasted some victory in this area, but feel like your influence has been taken or your favor, your position. I just want to challenge you that maybe, maybe all that he's wanting to do is to satisfy you with himself. That is the prize. That is a joy. That is what we press on to do. We're going to go uh, into a time of ministry here in just a minute. And um, I'm going to sing a song, really, that kind of captures this idea of our treasure being uh, in God. Um, but we've got communion set up at the back. And I just encourage you at your own time, in your own way, uh, to maybe take that with your family or with a friend. We do it in remembrance, of course, of... Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. But I also feel like I'm sure that there's people here you're dealing with this frustration, this sorrow, this loss, and you feel like you're in that spinny circle, not going anywhere. And I want to invite you to come up and get prayer or to connect with someone next to you and to pray for each other. Um, we're just going to stay in an atmosphere of worship, of course, um, but I do believe that God wants to bring healing today to point you to himself as the answer. So uh, as we do this, if the prayer team could come up and be ready, um, and let's just spend time with God.